Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and ungodly. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ,
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience, and by your gracious favor be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament reading appointed for this Palm Sunday, also the Sunday of the Passion of our Lord, is from the prophet Zechariah, the ninth chapter. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, as he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 15th chapter. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put on his own clothes, and they led him out to be crucified. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews... And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And so also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. 
And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph, and Salome. And when he, when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, Begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. The Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today, the gospel lesson, the gospel reading from St. Mark, the 11th chapter, these verses, 7 through 11. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat upon it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut out in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. He's well known. In fact, if I would put two common but two dissimilar words together, side by side, many of you will know the man of whom I speak, even though he was born over a hundred years ago. The two words are piano and comedian. And if to those two words I would add the word Danish, some of you will certainly say, aha, I know him of whom he speaks, one of the greatest musician comedians of the 20th century. Remember him? Victor Borga, the phenomenal Danish pianist who with his great musical skills and his amazing sense of humor thrilled audiences around the world from 1926 to his death in December of 2000. 74 years, he was an entertainer. Some of you will remember seeing him on television, perhaps even in person. Apart from Hans Christian Andersen, there are few Danes who were of a better reputation and better known than Victor Borge. Remember what was perhaps one of his most classic comedy routines? He sets his sheet of music up on top of the piano, on the piano's ledge, and he begins very seriously and very somberly to play the music as it's sitting there before him and then suddenly in the midst of this what we think is wonderful rendition of what he's playing he stops and he grabs the sheet music and he looks at it very seriously as though something is terribly wrong and then he turns it absolutely upside down puts it back on the place plays the music again and wouldn't you know it what he's playing is exactly what he's played before because no matter if you play it from front to back or from back to front it sounds exactly the same way amazing you don't know the beginning from the end you don't know the prelude from the finale it's sort of like box chiastic arrangements entitled canon for contrary motion which could be played backward or forward didn't make any difference but then you ask yourself but which is it is it the beginning or the end? Is it the prelude or is it the finale? My guess is, is on that first Palm Sunday, this is exactly the question that so many of the people were asking as they saw Jesus come into Jerusalem. Is this the beginning for him or is this his end? And it would indeed be a week that we now enter into with Holy Week. It would indeed be a week that was conflicted with all sorts of confusing and seemingly contradictory sounds and music, the chanted hosannas of Palm Sunday that were echoed then by the little children in the temple over against the, the bellicose denunciations of the Pharisees who complained about the children singing hosannas to this Jesus of Nazareth. 
There would be the beautiful liturgical psalms that would be chanted in the temple and the hymns that were sung on the eve of Passover in the upper room by Jesus and the disciples over against those horrible, horrific cries, crucify him, crucify him, that would be sounded but a few days later. And what about our Lord's own painful intoning as we've studied in Bible class on Sunday mornings? Intoning of Psalm 22 from the cross, beginning with, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And ending with those famous words, It is completion, it is finished. Death's dirge being sung below the cross. A cacophony of sounds, discordant sounds, dissonant sounds. Some of them holy sounds, others diabolic sounds. And they're all there compressed into this one amazing, historic, holy week in which evil forces themselves were greater than they'd ever been seen in the force of human history. Talk about mixed messages coming from this most important place at this most important time in all of human history. So many different voices. It seems hard to distinguish the hosannas from the hallelujahs. It seems impossible to distinguish the weeping from the cheers. Such a combination of incongruous things. What's it supposed to be? On the one hand, the crowds are throwing their garments in the ground and their palm branches on the ground, even as they did hundreds and hundreds of years before for a King Jehu, a sign of submission to one who is greater than them. That's what they've done for him, and now they're doing it for Jesus, even as the psalmist said they would. And yet he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, a humble, burden-bearing beast. Which is it? Is, is it the king's crown of glory, or will it be the criminal's cross of shame? Well, nothing that our Lord does is shameful. There's nothing that our Lord does that's that which we have to be ashamed of. It all must, therefore, be a prelude to glory. But we ask, what kind of glory can there be in the cross? And Christ answers, every glory is right there, because that's where the work of saving mankind is done. That's the greatest glory that there is at all. And so spreading their clothes upon the road, waving palm branches in the air, the citizens from the suburbs of a little town called Bethany where Lazarus had been raised from the dead are spontaneously joined by pilgrims coming from another little suburb called Bethphage. Another suburb of Jerusalem that got a lot of overflow business at that time of the year in Jerusalem. Can you imagine what the sights and the sounds in Jerusalem must have been? Here it was, a town normally of about 25,000 people and now at the time of the Passover it suddenly swells because of the pilgrims coming in from all over to, to a city of more than 100,000 that would be there, more than quadrupling in size. The same thing with these small little suburbs. In a day's time, a hundred, or, or I'm sorry, 10,000 lambs would be sacrificed there in the temple area. 10,000 lambs. A ceremony not only looking back to the miraculous exodus from Egypt, for those who had been saved by the blood of the Lamb that was smeared upon the doorposts around the door, remember? Commemorating that, but the blood of the Lamb also 
which symbolized the coming Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of all of the world. All of that captured in that moment with the, the shedding of the blood of the sacrificial lambs. Can't you see them, men, women, and children? They're running from their homes. They're running from their pilgrim tent shelters to the procession that's taking place is growing closer and closer to the great city of Jerusalem. Those great gates of Jerusalem. 60 feet high. 60 feet high by which the pilgrims entered into the holy city, the gates at which they would chant the 118th Psalm. Open unto me the gates of righteousness. And here are these 60 foot gates. Open unto me the gates of righteousness and I'm going to go through them. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, O Lord, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation, the psalmist wrote. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Psalm 118, which was chanted as they're going up there to Jerusalem, getting ready to enter through the gates of righteousness. And all of that's wrapped up in this Palm Sunday procession and chorus that's sung by these pilgrims with palm branches waving before the Lord. Did they grasp all that was taking place and how they fit in as puzzle pieces to this prophecy of old? Who knows? Most likely not. Many of them, to be sure, in the desperate enthusiasm of the moment, even misinterpreted Jesus to be a political Messiah who would come to deliver them from Roman rule, as so many zealots had unsuccessfully done before him. In fact, it was sung as it would have been perhaps thought by those pilgrims as the choir sang it this morning. Remember what the choir sang? Hosanna to the prince who comes to free a race oppressed, to drive the Gentile, the Romans, from our land and make his people blessed. To drive the Gentile from our land and make his people blessed. A good representation of what was thought by the people of the time. The vast majority of Zion zealots and the vast majority of Passover pilgrims had thought that. But make, make no mistake about it. Jesus knew exactly, despite all of the misinformation that was around him and misinterpretation of the scriptures that was held by so many about him, Jesus knew why he had come. He knew why he was there at Jerusalem. He knew what he had to do in the days of the Holy Week to come. He would not be a messianic activist for the political zealots of his day, and he will not be a messianic activist for political zealots in our day. He wouldn't be the subject of the entertainment-driven king, Herod. He will not be the subject of entertainment-driven agendas in our day either. He would not be the philosophic sparring partner of a Pontius Pilate who asks, we heard, what is truth? And he will not spar with 21st century skeptics who reject out of hand the word of truth that he has given in Holy Scripture either. He would not be manipulated by self-righteous high priests or by work-righteous Pharisees, and he will not be manipulated by the self-righteous 
and the pious of our own day either. Jesus knew what he had come to do, and God the Son, enthroned in heaven above, came down here below, and he became the Son of Man who sat on a donkey below, not to do the bidding of men, but to do the bidding of his heavenly Father. The ancient psalm of today's intro that we sang earlier knows who he is. It speaks so clearly about what he came to do when it says, Lift up your gates, your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, for the King of glory comes in. They knew, the psalmist knew, Jesus knew who it was. The King of glory was coming in. Who is this King of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes that day into Jerusalem to do battle, not with swords, but with his own precious body and his holy suffering and death. He does not come to do battle with regional kings like Herod. He doesn't come to do battle with provincial governors like Pilate. He doesn't come to do battle even with world emperors like Caesar. These are small. These are but pawns moved about unwittingly by the hand of the ultimate arch enemy of God and of man by the hand of the prince of darkness of whom Luther spoke when he wrote, the old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile, great might, are his dread arms in fight on earth is not his equal. As the Psalm of Palm Sunday says, the Lord strong and mighty, he had come to do battle with this old evil foe. And thus Luther writes, but for us fights the valiant one, the valiant one. Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is, of Sabbath Lord. There's none other God. He holds the field forever. The Lord had come to Jerusalem to do battle, but not with 12 legions of angels behind him to support him. In fact, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said if they were there to do his bidding, if he wanted them to do it. But no, he didn't. And he allowed himself to be rested. He allowed himself to be beaten, scorned, taken to the cross, crucified. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved you. Ride on, then. Ride on in majesty. The winged squadrons, the angels of the sky, look down with sad and wandering eyes to see the approaching sacrifice. And heaven's angels could do nothing but watch. Why? Because the victory that comes had to be through blood shed. There is no forgiveness of sin, Scripture says, without the shedding of blood. And the blood sufficient to pay for your sins and for mine and for the sins of the world was only divine blood. The divine blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, of the sinless Son of God being shed for the sins of all the world. That's what's required the shedding of blood for your sins and for mine. He knew exactly what he had to do to make those hosannas, which means to save now, O Lord, come true. Not only for the psalmist who wrote them, not only for the pilgrims who sang it, but also for the church throughout the ages who has sung it after them. 
the church which has been washed in water and the word, the church which is fed by his body and blood, and how thankful we should be that that includes you and me. And therefore, as we heard the prophet Zechariah say in our Old Testament reading today, some 500 years before that first Palm Sunday, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming unto you, righteous, having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. Why? Because you're a sinner. And because he's the only Savior, Jesus Christ, who, as our epistle lesson said this morning, though he was in the form of God, yet he took upon himself the form of a servant, and he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even death upon the cross. You see, Palm Sunday is indeed the prelude to glory. But it's a glory that's not simply to begin with Easter. It's a glory that begins on what we call Good Friday, on the cross, where the battle is not only waged, but where the battle is irreversibly and eternally won. In a simple concluding poem called The Burden, Philip Rosenbaum writes about the donkey of Palm Sunday upon which our Lord rode into Jerusalem as the burden bearer and the sin bearer of all the world. And he writes these words and says, Unaccustomed to her burden, she knows not that never beast bore such a man as this who meekly rides to his appointed lot. A crown of thorns and a betrayer's kiss and never man will carry such a weight as he bears now in this, his day of power, ascending toward a straight and a narrow gate, his agonizing last, and yes, his finest hour. She bravely struggles on, despite her fear of cheering men, whom he as gravely views, as an admiral watching distant storms draw near to lash bright waves to dark and deadly hues. He knows the death decreed in ancient songs the tree that looms beyond these scattered palms, the tree of the cross. He knows, and yet he goes, the lamb, willingly. A blessed Palm Sunday to you all, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
as a people redeemed by the king who entered Jerusalem amid palms and praying so that he could leave carrying a cross, we now pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. Heavenly Father, as your Son humbled himself for our salvation, give to each of us and to every member of your church a confident faith in Christ's passion for us so that during this holy week and throughout our lives, we would humbly entrust ourselves and all those whom you place, all, all of those whom you place in our lives to your kind and forgiving grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who comes in the name of the Lord, continue to grant to us the Holy Spirit, that he might give to each of us in our lives the courage to speak of you in a world that does not know you, that many more will be drawn by your atoning work, revealed and applied through your mighty word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, Holy Father, in holy baptism you graciously call those born to sin to be your own children. You forgive them their sin and assure them of life eternal, as through the washing of water in your word you connect the baptized to the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Today you will call Charlotte Jaslyn Inman as your own. Preserve her all her years in the saving faith by your word and in time your supper that she, with all the faithful yet here below, might be kept steadfast in the grace of baptism until we would inherit the fullness of our eternal salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, give your protection and guidance to our president and governor and the mayors of our cities and all who make and administer and judge our laws so that every life is protected and so that citizens live under justice in our country and in every nation of the world. According to your will, defend those who defend us from aggression here and abroad, especially soldiers that now serve in hostile areas of the Middle East. And at your bidding, supply to them safe homecomings to a country grateful for their service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Father, Help us to be obedient to your will in all seasons of life, especially when you permit sickness or disease, weakness and infirmity. Be the strength of those from among us who chronically struggle, including Paul Duell and Dick and Elsie Much, Robert and Dorothy Latham, Hugh Ryan. Be with those preparing for surgery, undergoing treatment. Lend your healing to those recovering from treatment or from surgery. Grant still patience to those who must await medical test results and treatment results and supply to them trust that your will is always good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, for Christ now in the blessed supper comes to us again in his very body and blood under the bread and wine to forgive and renew and strengthen those who by grace receive this meal in faith. Teach us to rejoice in the unity of belief expressed by it, as together we not only receive forgiveness and life won by Christ, but proclaim his death until he comes again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray that we may in the days of this holy week to come ponder his passion anew and move with him from Jerusalem's city gates to the upper room, to the garden of Gethsemane, and to the judgment hall and then to the cross, to behold the sacrifice made for the sins of all the world, and then to the open and empty tomb, that we may celebrate his resurrection in life.
Now receive our prayers and accept our praise through your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you in the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory and power and praise, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who accomplished the salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life also might rise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. 
This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.